Welcome, welcome, guys, to episode two of The Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And I'm T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. So we're having so much fun with this thing, and we've gotten great response so far from episode one. So thank you for everybody who's listening and supporting. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. And keep on giving us feedback. We want to know, as it is that we kind of stumble along in the dark through episode one and figuring this thing out, we're always striving to be able to get better on each episode. Speaking of which, we were talking about the different topics that we wanted to be able to discuss, uh, you know, on the Techie and the Cowboy, and there was one that kept on bubbling to the top because I think it's one of those things that just people don't talk about, right? And that's faith versus religion. On the contrary, I think people talk about it a lot, but they usually talk about it in a confrontational way. So we just want to discuss, you know, just kind of our thoughts on it and, and our experiences with it. Isn't that right, T.W.? Yeah, exactly. One of the things that uh, I keep finding when I talk to people outside of a church, uh, their objection is to the organized religion not the concepts that are underlying that religion. So I figure that that's a good thing for us to discuss. Absolutely. So let's kick this intro music and then we'll jump right in. You are now listening to The Techie and the Cowboy, brought to you by Alistair Hunt, The Techie, and T.W. Lawrence, The Cowboy. All right, all right, let's jump right in this conversation. So faith versus religion. Kind of give your overview on your thoughts about the whole faith versus religion conversation there, T.W. Well, let's think about it. It's called Christianity for a reason, and that's because of the sacrifice that Christ made to give us salvation. So in effect, all of those who believe in him in that way are Christians. So you could argue that there should only be one religion, and that's Christianity. But if you go to any town, a small town, big town, doesn't make any difference. You'll find different denominations. There's the Catholics, there's the Episcopals, there's the Baptists, there's the Methodists, there's the Jehovah's Witness, there's the Mormons, just a whole slew. And even within the Baptist church, say, there are just, you know, 25 different segments of that religion. And each one of them adhere to a certain aspect of Christian dogma and practice it their own way. And if you don't like the way that they do it, you go to another church that's more to your liking. So, and that really reflects how religion has become organized by man, different than by God. And the result is what we see that has become institutionalized. So it is the institution that is called religion that I think most people have a hard time with. And I think this is why it is that there's a shrinking number of people that are actually going to church because it is that they see this organized part or they have a bad experience with a quote unquote Christian or with a church. And then they tend to make everybody kind of bottle everybody into that one category. Right. And so, uh, so that's their experience. And so that's what they think being a Christian or Christianity or going to church is really about. Sure. One of the things I want to interject real Quick, the other day on the <clears throat> on the radio, I was listening to a show, and there's a study by Harvard, I'll get the details, and they're showing that there is not a decrease in the number of people who believe in God. There's a decrease in the number of people that go to particularly bigger churches. What they're finding is these people hang together with other people that believe the same way that they do. It's kind of like four guys at Starbucks are their own church. 
which is the way churches were way back when. It was funny because I went to a youth event and I heard the speaker say on the opposite side of that, when it comes to young people and them knowing who it is that God is, there's less young people now. I think he said like one third of youth actually even know who Jesus, God, the whole concept of that is because they're not growing up in a household where it is like I went to church all the time. So I had the foundational knowledge of who Jesus was. Even if I chose not to be a believer, I would still have that foundational knowledge that doesn't exist as much now because it's becoming more of a secular society, right? And so now the the foundational morals and values that youth have are no longer there. So unless it is that they make an effort or unless somebody tells them about who Jesus, who God, what the Bible is about, they're not really getting the exposure like it is that they did uh, 20 years ago. True. You have kids of a young age. I have grandkids, two sets of grandkids. One are brought up in a more religious, actually they went to a Christian school. The others are brought up by a father who is an agnostic married to uh, a Christian woman. So it's interesting to see that that struggle. Um, They have the education, but it's not important to them. So what you're saying is true. My experience, of course, right now being older is with adults. And so it's with the adults who find this um, objection to organized religion that I concentrate on as to why is that? Because I found so much good in it. So one of the uh, things that you and I decided that we would try to help differentiate is the difference between what is religion and what is faith? Absolutely. And I think this is a great conversation to be able to have because when people leave the church or when people get upset at the church, I find that having these conversations with these people, their faith tends to falter too because they've always associated the two together. In other words, you have some people who it is that have gone to church their whole entire life. They've gotten into the whole uh, going every Sunday, going every Wednesday. Uh, you know, maybe it is that they'll listen to Christian radio, whatever else, and they associate that or they tie that in with their faith and then all of a sudden something happens and that changes whether it's uh, from schedule or whether it's from something happening or whatever else and then they kind of go away from it all together and there's even some people that I talk to that there's a sense of guilt that they have because it is that they're not doing all the stuff that they've always done going to church every Sunday Wednesday listening to Christian radio that they feel like it is that they've distanced themselves from God so that's where this conversation of faith versus religion really comes in Is there a need for uh, having the religion side to be able to have faith and how powerful it is to be able to find the balance in both? Well, it's kind of like when we talked about this a couple of days ago, I asked the question, uh, which came first? You know, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg thing. You know, did religion come first or faith come first or... I don't remember. What did you say about that? I believe that there had to be a faith. Whatever it is that you had, the the disciples that walked with Jesus here on the earth, I think that they were doing it based off of before he started doing the miracles and everything else. That was a pure faith thing, you know? Uh, and so I, I talked about in episode one, my kind of journey of growing up in the church and then not really finding that connection uh, with God until it is that I went to college. And that's a prime example of religion. Like I was in the religious aspect. I knew God. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior. I was going to church. I was doing the deal. Um, but I had never, I didn't even consider the fact that you're supposed to talk to God one one. I knew how to pray and I knew about praying, uh, but I would just pray in just general 
uh, you know, asking God for what it is that I need or asking for prayers for different people. But whenever it is that I started to develop my faith was actually after it is I couldn't find a church in the college town that I went to that I really connected with. It would, it didn't seem the same as what it is that I grew up in, a very small family-based church where I kind of knew everybody. And then all of a sudden I'm going to um, in East Texas, I'm in Nacogdoches, Texas, a little bit different environment, and the churches were not the same. So I hopped from place to place and couldn't really find uh, anything that I was getting spiritually fed from. And so I backed off from church because I started to get frustrated uh, with the with the institution of church. You know, I couldn't find, I just wasn't feeling right connecting to any of those. And I started exploring my faith and my one-on-one relationship with God uh, during that time. So now, without realizing it, I don't think you've interjected a third element into this, and that's comfort, as you say, fed by the Spirit. You know that as a writer, I'm a a man of words. So naturally, I looked up (laughs) the entomology, the origin of the words, both religion and faith. You might be interested to know that you know how the Marines always, you know, simplify. That's semper fidelis. Fidelis um, means faithfulness. So the Marines are faithful to other Marines. Well, the uh, Latin word that that comes from, fides, is where we get our word faith. So faith is basically being loyal, consistent to a person or a belief. So in our case, when we talk about faith, we are staying loyal to our belief in Jesus. So I would suggest that that is the basis. Without that, there is no salvation. So the belief and the continued belief through good times and bad times, that is your faith. And and you're doing it for reasons that are some intellectual, some emotional, some historical, because that was the way that you were brought up. But it it is that consistent adherence to this relationship and this idea that is the basis for everything else. I I submit to you that it came first. Religion is uh, basically the organization of faithful people doing things over and over again. For example, I know that we talked about what your routine in your relationship with God is which includes prayer, quiet time, uh, Bible study, that kind of thing. And you do that whether or not, you do that by yourself. You don't do that at your, at your church. So <clears throat> you are practicing religion in your own way, and it's different when you get to, to the building that has a church in. They practice religion, which is a set of, of procedures essentially consistently there. And that segues into our next big talking point that we had, which is, uh, do you have to have, uh, do you have to attend a church? Do you have to actually go to a church? And what's the benefits of being able to go to a church and being in this, what people call organized religion world? Well, to to a certain extent, uh, the answer is ultimately is no, because the way that we think of church could be a Western European slash American 
ideal. After the Romans pursued Christians and fed them to the lions and that kind of stuff, what did the Christians do even in Rome or in other places? They had small groups. They have what we would call today house churches. So you got two, three, four people sitting together, discussing, doing something, praying together. So to an extent, you know, as, as scripture says, when two or three are gathered in my name, then you have, effectively, you have a church. So the answer to your question is, do you need to have a, you know, a big church you go to? I'd say no. The benefit of, of being there is you find other like-minded people that can reinforce things that you're doing and reinforce, in fact, your faith. Also, the accountability, I think, of, of being in a group of believers that are headed the same direction as you, which is why it is that I'm a firm believer that you have to be someplace where it is that connects with you. So moving on to the next part of my story, go to college, finally found a place where it is that I feel like I can fit in that connects with me. That's where it is. I actually found uh, my one-on-one relationship with God inside of a big, huge event. And then I started to to be able to hear God speak and listen to him and talk to him a different way. But then the next part of my story is after I came back to Dallas, after I graduated from college, I went through another period of, I actually got to live out of the country for a little bit and the religion was totally different in Finland than whenever I was here. And when I got back, I found myself in that space, even as a married man, where it is that I couldn't find a church that would I could connect with again. You know, Wendy and I were exploring different places, going to different churches, couldn't find that place. But one day I woke up and just as strong as you and I talking, I felt God speaking to me about this. At this time, Wendy was pregnant. My youngest was about to be born. And I felt God speaking to me that you need to find a church home. Like, I mean, just just as clearly as somebody speaking to me. And I immediately went on the internet and started researching different churches and everything else. And that's where I found the, the current church where I'm at, Custer Road United Methodist Church. And not knowing anything about the church besides what I saw on the website and hearing this voice speaking to me about I needed to be able to find a church home. Uh, and even with all my conflicted views of the different churches that I went to and and, you know, being in that place, I was obedient to what I heard. And I went to Custer Road. And here's the here's the big kicker for me. I had this thing about big churches versus small churches just because of what it is that we talked about. I felt like at a small church, people know you, you can connect, you have access to the pastor. Uh, so if you had any questions, this is in my mind what church should be versus these bigger places where it is that you go, you don't have access to uh, the pastor. Maybe it is that you have to be in a small group to even get that connection with people uh, and you're just a number. And when I walk into Custer Road, which is a large church, I immediately started to feel some of that you know, resistance that I had based on the beliefs that I had built up in my head. But what got me is when I sat down there because I was following the spirit and I listened, the pastor said exactly what it is that I needed to hear that Sunday. And that opened me up to the concept that I kind of treat church like any church that I attend because I like attending different churches. I like a buffet. I take what I need and then I leave the rest, right? So if there's something that doesn't resonate with me in the environment and what is said and what is taught, I've built my faith enough that I know what it is that I believe and I know what it is that the spirit is leading me to do. And then I see if I can get something from every uh, place that I go to where it is that there's a person of faith that's teaching or speaking. Well, I have um, sort of a variation on that. I go to, uh, I'm married into a very large church and they have what they call churches within the church. 
basically your Sunday school class. My Sunday school class has, if everybody shows up, probably 45 people in it. So, you know, you know, that's pretty big. The churches I went to before, particularly when I was in college and high school, uh, if we got 15 people into the chapel, you know, that was a packed house. And I was very close with the Episcopal priest that I was there with. So in going to this church, one of the reasons why I didn't insist that we try going to other places is they have a very good senior pastor who does most of the sermons. His thoughtfulness in putting together the sermons, his intellectual challenges that come with uh, his reading of the scripture, which is very sound, I think, biblically, has always been the thing to me that gave me the comfort in using your buffet example. I would take that and I would put up with what I thought was the institutional vagaries that went kind of like, I didn't, I wasn't there from the beginning, so I'm not one of the founding members. Those people are put over here. You know, these are the new kids who are put over here and you know, didn't care about that, could take it or leave it. So in, um, in reaction to that, I very fortunately was led to a young man. He's younger than you. And he and I became prayer partners. And he is very steeped in <clears throat> biblical education. He could easily be a priest or a preacher. From him, I get a great fundamental education, a deep dive into any religious thing. Uh, <clears throat> I get great comfort from that. He's a member of the church. He's a deacon. You know, these kinds of things. He's actually the one that wrote the um, study questions at the end of the chapters you know, in my book. So I get that itch scratched from knowing him. You and I met, um, I get a lot out of the person that you are, but just the sheer energy you have for all the things I get fed by that. And so that has nothing to do necessarily with organized religion, except it was organized religion. Without my church, I would have never gotten to Orlando to have this meeting. Without the church, I would have never met this other guy who's my prayer partner. So there is a reason for that to have happened. And the church provided the framework. Basically, they set up the buffet table in your analogy. Absolutely. Uh, following along with the buffet and also your thing where you said that we have religious practices, even if we don't call it religion, we meet every week to be able to have our uh, weekly prayer meeting. And we, when we were at the Stephen Ministry Leadership Conference, they are the ones that, uh, you know, assigned us together, if you will, or we say it's divine intervention because they made us randomly pick partners and we chose each other and it's turned into this amazing friendship, right? But at the same time, part of our religion is that we meet every single week and we pray over people that we know, things that are going on and the things that are going on in our life too, uh, which is a practice. And like you said, following your definition, that's something that we do on a regular basis to be able to make sure we strengthen our faith. And there's different groups that I meet with our Stephen Ministry group on a regular basis. And these are things that are not necessarily uh, going to church, but these are things that we do to be able to build upon our faith. Well, I think one of the things that, I, before I forget, wanted to say, is that faith is the basis of it. You know, back in the, I don't know, wherever it was, the 70s, 80s, they'd say, keep the faith, you know, as sort of a sort of political statement. But for Christianity, keeping the faith is a big deal. I think one of the things that I find that people who lose faith for a while or for good because of how could God do this to me? How could this event in my life happen? I have been faithful, and this is what I get to show for it. The heck with it. Faith means nothing. And as you and I have talked about before, 
One of the things I think that is key in my faith and why I don't get as upset about some things as other people do is that being a Christian, having a Christian faith does not mean that you will have happiness every day. Okay, think about it. Jesus asked his father for the cup to be taken from him before he went through the crucifixion. And it was not. So in effect, God let his son, expected his son, it was the plan from the get-go that Jesus would do the sacrifice. So if a God who will let his own son be sacrificed for a very good reason, thankfully for you and me, for our salvation, if God will allow his son to be sacrificed. What do you expect is going to happen in your life? There's no reason to lose the faith. That is just part of living in this world. You just have to roll with the punches. One of the things that helped me with that is is keeping my eye on the big picture, knowing that God knows the big plan and using what you just said, you know, he knew the big plan and, and why it is that he needed to sacrifice his only begotten son, right? And the same thing in our lives. He knows the full plan. We look at things in a situational day-by-day, moment-by-moment perspective. So we're looking at when we pray for things sometimes or when we ask for God's intervention in things, we're looking at the situation as it is right now. But in everything it is that happens, if God was to answer every single prayer, I remember hearing this from a good friend of mine. He said, you know, you hear people on Sunday praying for their team to win. But on the other side, there's people praying for their team to win. So if God answered one prayer, he'd be ignoring the other and answer the other, he'd be ignoring the other. But yet we still pray because that's part of our our faith. And we're looking at it as that situation, us. It's really a very, if you want to call it this, selfish way of thinking. So what I do is I try and broaden my perspective whenever it is I feel like prayers are not being answered. And trying to think of God knows the master plan. He knows exactly what's going to happen in the long run. And that's how it is I prevent myself from getting frustrated and separate out that whole, uh, is God not listening to me versus is God doing what is best for me? Because if I look back on some of the biggest situations in my life that I asked for God's intervention, and maybe they didn't go the way that I thought they would, now back, I'm like, wow, it was exactly what was supposed to have happened. And if God had intervened just because I had asked, then I would experienced all these amazing things that I've experienced in my life. So that's helped me just looking back and keeping that in perspective to not get frustrated. But I want to talk on one of the things that you said is that you said that sometimes people get frustrated uh, with their faith and they leave their faith because of things that happen. But that also goes to what is that we're talking about separating faith and religion when they have those situations or those experiences in the church or to deal with the church and they don't feel like it is that the church responds, that's another reason that people go to the right and to the left. Or maybe it is that they've, like you said, they've gone to church every Sunday. They've done all of the things that they think they should do as a Christian. And they're like, well, God, if I'm this faithful servant, then why is it that this stuff is happening to me? But what does that have to do with your faith and your ability to be able to establish and have a relationship with God? That's the main question uh, that we're kind of pondering today. And what it is that we want our our listeners to be able to really think about. What is your faith base? What is your relationship that you have one-on-one with God? And is that tied to your religious institution that that you go to? And how can you make sure that those things are being built uh, separately and at the same time? That's kind of my challenge to the listeners is making sure that you start to explore developing or strengthening your one-on-one faith because it was amazing once it is that I did that. Let's, let's look at the uh, origins of the word religion. 
also coming from the from the Latin. Uh, without getting into the words themselves. Originally, it meant to bind. There was an obligation and a reverence. So in other words, religion came from the monasteries. The, the, the use of it did. So it was people who were acting in a certain uniform way under an obligation, in this case, of taking an oath kind of thing. So it became regimented. So it became institutionalized. So I think that we should understand there is the institution, which is how things are organized. Churches, to an extent, are like restaurants. Like you were saying when you were in college, I didn't like this one, so I went to that one. I didn't like that one either, so I went to this third one. So you basically shopped around till you found your comfort level. But when you do walk, you take your faith with you. And that's the crucial thing is your faith in a certain way inside a certain religion allowed you to practice as a good Christian, but faith is the seed. Faith is the basis for it. Not only that, faith was what allowed me to be able to, while it is that I was looking for a church home, while it is that I was in that floating uh, period, to be able to still establish that relationship and have that relationship with God. So still be able to do my studies, still be able to talk with him and be open to the spirit whenever the spirit spoke to me and told me that I needed to be able to find a church home. One of the driving factors for that was is that, you know, I was about to have a baby boy and I wanted him to be able to come up in that environment and experience what I experienced growing up being in a, a Christian environment and having those Christian foundational values, right? So so there was a combination of, of both of those things that had bothered me. That's why Wendy and I were looking so uh, feverently to be able to find a church home so that way our kids could grow up in the environment that we grew up in as well. And that was one of the things that also attracted me to Custer Road was that I loved how their children's ministry was run. So I had to go against what it is that my belief system was or what I thought my belief system was about large churches to be able to follow the spirit to put me exactly where it is that I need to be. And it's been an amazing blessing being in a, a environment of like-minded people, such amazing like-minded people. And like you said, if I hadn't followed the spirit to be able to be in the church, to be able to become a Stephen minister, which is a whole different story of following the spirit, to be able to go to Stephen leadership training, to be able to meet you, we wouldn't be here right now. God seeing the big picture uh, directs our feet in the past and, and all the things that needs to happen so that, you know, Hopefully, our goal is to be able to affect a large amount of people through this podcast. It'd be nice for people who hear these podcasts to give us some specific feedback. You want to take exception to anything we say? We can discuss that. That's that's what Alistair and I are really good at is discussing things with other people and with each other. But uh, it would it would be good to uh, hear from some of the others and see how how they react to the notions that we put forward. So we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. There's lots of different places where we can have this discussion. That's the whole point is to be able to spark you to think a different way or to be able to explore different ideas when it comes to your faith. So talking into faith versus religion, reach out to us. Look us up, the techie and the cowboy. It's pretty easy to find, or you can just go to the techieandthecowboy.com and click on one of the links to be able to connect to us. Any final thoughts that you have, TW, before it is that we close this thing out? No, I would I would just say, uh, let's see, keep on trucking, keep the faith, baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> keep on trucking and keep the faith, baby, he says, right? So this is Alistair Hunt, the techie. And T.W. Lawrence, the cowboy. And this is episode two. We're out. Let's drop that music. Music.